1: If you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. Now, today is the, the last message, message, and I'm going to be preaching on this series on the balanced life. If you will, in Luke, chapter 2, in verse number 52, the Word of God says, "...and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people." Let's read this verse together. "...and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature... And in favor with God... And with people, if you remember the last several weeks, we have been unpacking each one of these different areas where Jesus increased. The Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and we talked about our mind. We talked about the intellectual side of our being and how we must guard that and feed that and nurture that in order to be a well-balanced, healthy believer. And then we talked about our stature. It says Jesus increased in stature. You see, I believe that our Lord was a perfect Picture of balanced humanity. Now, there's one thing we've got to remember. Yes, he is and was the Son of God. He was 100% God, but yet at the same time, he was 100% man. Now, only God can do that, and don't ask me to explain it any further than that. We'll get our answers when we get to heaven. But he was 100% God. And he was 100% man. And so whenever we look at his his side of humanity, I think there's some things that we can pick up on to help us live a well-balanced Christian life. And so we talked about the stature. We talked about our physical well-being. And guys, we must realize that the entire principle of stewardship comes into play even in the areas of our bodies. Now, we don't worship our bodies, but I believe we should be good stewards of Our bodies and we unpack that a little bit in that sermon and then last week We we paused and stopped a little bit whenever we got to where it says jesus increased in favor with god That's the spiritual side And last week we shared with you some ways that we can increase in our spiritual life and grow closer In our relationship with the lord jesus christ today. I want to close out This series where it says that jesus increased in favor with people That's the social side of his life. Not only was he in favor with God, but the Bible also says that that he increased in favor with people. And so I want to talk just briefly this morning. I realize our time is quickly getting away from us today. So I promise you, if you don't look at your watch, I won't look at my watch. Okay? Can we make that agreement? All right. And uh, by the way, you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch. You know what that means, right? Nothing. It absolutely does not mean a thing. So if I look at it, don't imply anything. I just want to see what time it is, and, and we're going to keep going on, okay? So in Luke 2, in verse number 52, we're going to talk a little bit about how Jesus increased with people, and we're going to bring it into our own personal life, and we're going to talk about how we need social balance. And I really want to... Man, you could really do a whole series on each one of these four areas. And uh, so I just want to give a brief overview. And I want to talk just briefly this morning about friendships. And if we're going to increase in favor with people, then I think we must pay attention to the area of friends in our life. Friendship. What a powerful aspect of the human life. The fact that we're able to have and engage in different relationships and different friendships. Someone has once said that no man is poor who has friends, and no man is rich who does not have friends. You see, how wealthy you are, really it, has, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account. You can really gauge your wealth on how many friends you have. And I hope and pray that we are cultivating healthy friendships in life. Because you know why? We were not created to live life by ourselves. We were created to engage in relationships. But we live in an era. We live in a culture with the social media and all that takes place. Where there's almost this whole influence how we're moving towards social isolation. In other words, we sit at our house, and sometimes I'm guilty of this, we sit at our house and we go shopping, but instead of going to the malls and engaging in conversation with people, we go to Amazon, or we go to eBay, and we can sit in the comfort of our living rooms, and we can do our shopping, and then we have someone deliver it to our front door. Matter of fact, I think one of the biggest areas that really has caused us to be isolated in the area of our social life is called the garage door opener. Hello? I mean, we go home, we pull in our driveway, we push the button, we pull our car in, we shut the garage door, we walk into our house, and oftentimes we have no interaction whatsoever with our neighbors and with those around us. Do you agree that we're kind of moving into this area of social isolation? It's almost like a lot of our younger kids in the younger generation, they don't have a clue how to talk to anybody. Right? <laughs> I hear some amens coming. I knew I'd get a few amens right here. I mean, everything's done on Facebook and everything's done on Twitter, and we put our whole life. Matter of fact, we're, we, we, we'll spend more time talking to friends that we really don't even know on Facebook. And we won't spend any time engaging with a real-life individual. I'm amazed. Sometimes I watch the younger generation walk around. And they'll walk around and never even stop and give anyone the time of day. They won't talk to their peers. But you get them on Facebook and they'll, they'll just spill their guts. I'm amazed. I'm totally, sometimes absolutely blown away with statuses that I see. On Facebook. Guys. Really? Do we really need to know if you ate coleslaw and pickles for dinner? Do we, do you really think anybody really cares? Do we really think that people are that interested in every place we go that we feel like we have to check in all the time? Come on guys, you know, I'm just, I'm kinda of getting in your lunch maybe. I'm right there maybe in your lap, I don't know, but. Guys, come on. But, but what amazes me, and I'm not against Facebook, I'm not against Twitter, and matter of fact, I shot out a tweet this morning, I'm excited about preaching this message on, on Friendship at Victory Church, and I put out there a tweet, join us, and, and maybe you saw that. I, and I think social media has its place, but I, I get really bum-fuzzled. When I see people interacting more on Facebook than I do in their own personal, physical life with people. Hello? You know, the other day I was on the, on the telephone and I was calling a, a company and I was on the phone for 15 minutes before I got to talk to anybody. Going through the menus, you know, first thing, if you speak Spanish or English, whatever, push one. And, you know, I had to go through all of this. And then what part of the department would you like to speak to? And I pushed that button. And, and I'm thinking, I'll get somebody now. And, and then the menu now has changed, so be very familiar. You know, 15 minutes went by. Finally, at the end of that, it said, if you would like to speak with someone, push zero. I'm thinking, why didn't they do that at the beginning? It would have saved 15 minutes of my life. I'm just amazed at how we in America today have moved to the area of social isolation, and we wonder why so many people are having difficulty in their life. We wonder why so many folks are being more and more depressed. Matter of fact, I remember the—I um, think it was a Toyota commercial. And it shows this teenage daughter, maybe she's eighteen, twenty years old, and she's sitting at her computer, and she has like, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred Facebook friends, and and she's talking about her mom and dad that has no life whatsoever. Now, mom and dad are out with friends, and they're out with six or eight couples, and they're out bicycling and, and riding mountain bikes out in the country. They're they're enjoying all of God's good creation and they're enjoying good fellowship with people and she's sitting my mom and dad don't even have a life at all you know i've got 700 you guys remember that commercial you've seen that commercial and i'm thinking girl grow up you don't have a life amen you you see i think we need we need to really get out from behind the computer screen and start engaging in people's lives so i want to talk to you a little bit about about friendship. You remember the story, and you don't have to turn there, but in Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, there was a crippled man. Now, I'm going to wind up being in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and I'm going to unpack a few verses there. In Luke chapter 5, I want to give you this this panoramic view of what friends do. In Luke chapter 5, if you remember, there is a crippled man. And then there are some friends that he had. And the crippled man wanted to get to Jesus... So that Jesus could heal him physically. And his friends, it teaches us in Luke chapter number 5 and verse number 17 and following. It teaches us that his friends put him on this blanket. And he had four friends that picked up a corner of the blanket. And they carried him to the house to where Jesus was. Now I just can't help but think. If those friends were, were half hearted. In their effort as a friend, whenever they got to the house where Jesus was, because there was such a crowd and they could not get into the house, they would have probably said, you know what, we've come with you far enough and dropped him and left him at the door hoping that Jesus would see him when he left the house. But these friends were true friends. These friends were friends that were committed to go the extra mile with this individual. You know what the Bible teaches us that they did? They climbed up on the roof. They started removing the shingles or the or the thatch that was on the roof. And the Bible teaches us that then, once they created a hole in the roof, that then they lowered their friend down to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith, He forgave them of their sins, and He healed the man. Now, i got a question for you. Where would have that man been... If he did not have some friends, probably still laying on the blanket, probably still crippled. Now, I want you to put yourself, I want you to put yourself in the crippled man's shoes. Do you have any physical, literal friends, not Facebook friends, not Twitter followers, do you have any real friends that you could call on in a time of need that would come to your house and pick you up in a blanket and carry you to where Jesus is and make a hole in the roof and lower you down? Do you have some friends that you are committed that closely to? I hope and pray we all do. I hope and pray you have someone in your life that when you're faced with a crisis or you're faced with something in your life that you could pick up the phone And you could shoot them a tweet or a Facebook status or a Facebook message or or call them and let them know that, hey, I need you. You see, that's what true friends are there for. Amen. We're there to weep when you're weeping. We're there to rejoice when you are rejoicing. So I want to talk to you briefly on, on friends. In Ecclesiastes 4, I want you to turn there. I'm going to be sharing about four or five things, and I'll try to hit these rather quickly. I know time is getting away from us. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 4... In verses seven and following, listen to what the scripture says. And this is Solomon speaking. Solomon speaking, and he's calling all the things to account that are vanity. But I believe there's one thing that he calls to account that is not vanity. And he's talking about the friendships that you have in your life. In verse number seven, he says this Again, I saw futility under the sun. There is a person without a companion, without even a son or a brother. And though there is no end to all of his struggles, his eyes are still not content with riches. So who am I struggling for, he asked, and depriving myself from good? This too is futile and a miserable task. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. And how can one person alone keep warm? And if, it, and if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I believe Solomon in his writing, as he's listing all the things that are vanity, I believe he pinpoints a particular area in our life that is not vanity. He's showing that there's tremendous value in having friends or companions. And I want to share with you the five things that he unpacks for us in these verses of Scripture. First of all, I want you to jot this down. I've got five things I want you to jot down about friendship. Number one, success without friendship is empty. Look what it says in verse number eight. There is a person without a companion, without even a son or a brother. And though there is no end to all of his struggles, get this last part, his eyes are still not content with riches. You see, it doesn't matter how much wealth you gain in this world. It doesn't matter how wealthy or how rich that you may become. The Word of God teaches, and Solomon points out, that if you are a wealthy individual with a lot of cash in the bank, and you don't have friends, that your life is empty. Hello? Amen? Amen? So I don't want you to judge how successful you are in life by how big a house you live in or what kind of car you drive or what kind of job you have or what your rank may be in the military or how much money you have in the bank. All of that stuff is temporal. Amen. All of that stuff will one day fade away. But I think things that last forever are things like relationships. First and foremost, a relationship with Christ. And the relationships that you're able to have. And Solomon is saying that this guy came to the end of his way and he realized he had all this wealth and he still was not content. You see, I go back into the book of Genesis. And when God made Adam, you realize that God, when he created everything, he said, what? It is good. And then there's something he said about man after he created Adam and he recognized and he saw and looked around. And he created Adam. He said, what? This is what? Not good. Not good. You see, Adam was created for relationships. You see, I think there are three ships that need to sail in every single one of our lives. If we are going to complete the journey of love and have a prosperous, balanced, healthy love, I think there's three ships that need to sail. The first ship is companionship. And I don't have time to unpack all of these. This is a whole series. But the first ship is companionship. The second ship is kinship. And the third ship is friendship. By companionship, I'm talking about marriage. And by kinship, I'm talking about extended family. And by friendship, I'm talking about the social side of your life. Now, just let me say this. I don't know how many listen to John MacArthur. Excellent preacher. Comes on every morning on 91.5, I think it's 6 a.m. or 6.30, somewhere like that. I encourage you to listen. If you want some good Bible preaching, there's you a good Bible preacher. John MacArthur is preaching a series on celibacy. And he's preaching a series on the gift of singleness. You see, I don't believe that every person that's born is ordained by God to be married. There are some people that are born that God gives them the gift of To be single. And John MacArthur is unpacking all of that. Go to Grace To You on the website. You can listen to every one of his his podcasts. I encourage you to listen to those, especially some of you that may be single. I don't want you to feel the pressure that you need to go find a wife because that may not be God's plan for you. You need to pray and seek that. With that being said, I I don't want you to get confused right here. For most, simply because most people cannot, we're all adults in here, right? Most cannot withstand the temptation to be involved sexually. So therefore, God says to marry. And by the way, we do still believe that sex before marriage is sin, correct? Do we still believe that? I mean, sometimes I got to ask. I don't know what people believe anymore. But the Bible still says that sex outside of marriage is sinful. Okay? Okay. So if you have that desire and you're single and you have and it's burning within you, you better find you a mate pretty quick. Hello. Are you all with me this morning? But I want you to see that three of the ships that need to sail in our life is the ship of companionship. In other words, your marriage relationship, the ship of kinship, your family that you've been born into, and then your ship of friendship, which is the social side. Guys, do you realize that Adam's very first need was not a sexual need? His need was a social need. Adam was alone. Adam was lonely. And his need wasn't driven by a by, by need for sex. He just wants somebody to share life with. And God, of course, created Eve for him. So his first need, I want you to see, was a social need. So success without friendship, the Bible is teaching us that it is empty. And guys, if you want to live a full life, then engage in relationships with people. Check your Facebook, stay on it for a brief amount of time, but don't spend all day on it. Hello? (laughs) You know? So success without friendship is empty. second thing I want you to see, he tells us in verse number 9. Look at verse number 9. The Bible teaches us that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. The second thing we see is that friendships make life fulfilling. Look what it says in verse 9. Two are better than one. As they're walking through the way, as they're working together, it says that there, there is a good re- reward for their efforts. You see, a friend is someone who can rejoice with you in the victories of life. I've already touched on this briefly. But the Bible says in Romans 12 and 15, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know what he's saying? He's saying, be a friend. Hello? Life is so fulfilling when you have relationships and friendships that you are cultivating and that you're working with. A friend is someone who can celebrate when you have some victories in your life, get this, without getting jealous. A friend is someone, when you drive up in a new Cadillac, you say, Whoa, praise the Lord, that is a beautiful car. Matter of fact, I stopped this morning at Casey's. And I pulled in in the parking lot and I, and I was completely out of gas. My gas, gas light came on yesterday when I was coming to this conference in O'Fallon. It's beeping, you know, beeping, get gas, get gas, get gas. And I drove to O'Fallon, didn't get it. And I drove back home and didn't get it. And I told Debbie this morning, I've got to get gas before we go to church. So I poured into Casey's this morning to get gas before we went. And I looked over and there was this beautiful black Cadillac. I mean, it was shiny. Oh man, it's a beautiful car. And then as I'm walking inside to get me a cup of coffee, I think, man, that's a good looking car. You ever done that, guys? Look at them. Man, it's good looking. And I'm thinking, I think that's John. So I go in there and I look over at the donut section. <laughs> they totally ignored, totally ignored the message on the physical part of, of, of a balanced life. <laughs> they just didn't get 12 donuts, they got 18 donuts. All right, in their defense, Penny was having an open house thing with her Sunday school class. Okay, okay. I said, John, that is a good-looking car out there. Man, that thing is sharp. And then you know what he did? He bought me a cup of coffee. So here's, here's, here's what you need to do. <laughs> you see, if you give enough compliments, they'll just buy you coffee. No, I didn't have any ulterior motive. I just wanted to say, man, that's a good-looking car. Without any jealousy whatsoever. And guys, we need to be able to do that. If God blesses somebody with something, we need to come along and celebrate with them in that. Without feeling like, boy, we've got to get to the shop and we've got to get to the car dealership. and We've got to one-up them. How many of you seen those people in your life that they're always just trying to one-up you? I mean, it just doesn't matter what you do. They're going to get something just a little bit. I'm like, good grief, really? That's what you live for? Man, what an empty life. Hello? We need to be able to rejoice with those that are having victories in their love and where God is blessing them without any jealousy whatsoever. Come alongside them. Be genuinely happy for them. I've got to move on. But friendships make life fulfilling. Man, it just, it just makes life full to have friends. Look what he says in verse number 10. He says, for if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. The third thing I want you to jot jot down is friends pick you up. Then thank God for friends that pick us up when we stumble and when we fall. A friend is someone who will be there. When you stumble and when you fall, now you gotta think back in the day in the Bible when this was written, those roads that they were traveling were rough. I mean, there were ruts in them, there were rocks in them, there were pitfalls in them. And oftentimes a traveler, as he was walking and going place to place, he would stumble and fall and and have his big backpack on him and all the stuff that he was carrying. And the Bible says, Solomon says, pity the man that falls and there's nobody there to help pick him up. Remember yesterday we were at the Iron Shortman's Iron Conference. I knew I was preaching this message. I knew I had this point on there, and and um, we're sitting out there. We had a break, and Tyler Lauderdale had had got something to eat, and he came and he just sat down on the floor. Well, this older guys kind of got around him, and Brother Tommy came over and he said, "Man, I ain't doing that." And we kind of just all stood, and Tommy said, Brother Tate said, he said, "You know, I don't get down the floor unless I know there's something around me that can help me get back up." Right, You know, when you get older, you kind of look for that stuff. Something to lean on, something to pull on, you need a little help. And Then I got to thinking, you know what he had all around him? He had friends. And the Bible says, pity the man who falls and doesn't have anyone there to help him up. I'm reminded of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, brother, if someone's caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watching out for yourselves so you won't also be tempted. And carry one another's burdens. And in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying whenever we have a brother or sister in Christ. that stumble and fallen even spiritually in their life. Listen, they don't, they don't need someone with a self-righteous spirit and attitude to come and rebuke them. They need a brother and sister that humbly. Considering their own self, considering they could very well be in that same condition. And they may very well be in that same condition in the years to come and will need somebody to come alongside them. So therefore, we come alongside them and we gently encourage and nurture and bring them back to the place where they are restored. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, that we are commanded, church, to carry each other's burdens. Friends, friends pick you up. Number four, jot this one down. Friendship provides warmth in a cold, cold world. Look what he says in verse number 11. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? you got to remember, first of all, remember, Solomon here is not talking about the marriage relationship. He's just talking about companions. He's talking about friendships here. And also remember that in the biblical days when this was written, they didn't carry around thermal blankets. They didn't have pop-up campers where they could pull up to the local campsite and plug it in and have their heater on. All they had was a campfire and a few blankets. And in those Judean hillsides and in the country way, whenever the nightfall would come, it would get really cold. And you know what they would do to warm up? They would lay beside each other. And they would snuggle up together to stay warm. You see, I think the same thing applies for us even physically and spiritually you see physically as they needed someone to come alongside them and warm them up we need someone to come alongside of us from time to time and just warm us up and encourage us do we not i mean how many has had those moments when we may us down and you just need somebody to talk to you need somebody to encourage you that's what i'm talking about but even spiritually you see whenever we stumble and we fall spiritually or we just grow cold spiritually We need somebody to come alongside of us and say, you know what, brother, you know what, sister, I I love you. What can I do to help you? I've recognized that something's going on in your life. I don't know what it is if you don't share. I want you, I'm here for you. Guys, that's what we need as a church. Amen? I I mean, people that really care with no arterial motive, not trying to manipulate or control, but just, I'm just here. Hello? Hello? Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen says this, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Amen? Let me give you the fifth thing about friendship. Friendship provi- provides protection. Look what it says in verse number 12. And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Here's what I know about friends. I know that friends protect each other. Amen? I know raising our kids, and we'd always tell Tyler and Kristen, listen, your brothers and sisters, you always have each other's back, regardless <laughs> I remember a time that Kristen had just got to high school. Tyler was a senior kristen was a was a freshman, and it kind of came around the dinner table and I didn't know this actually took place till Tyler shares it with us and and Kristen was talking about this, this boy that was kind of getting sweet on her and, you know, kind of flirting with her and different things. And, and, um, but all of a sudden he quit. I mean, he, he wouldn't even talk to her. He wouldn't look at her. And Kristen was like, man, what happened to him? He got so cold so quick. And we got home and we were talking about that around the dinner table. And, and Tyler said, oh, yeah, I took care of that. And we said, what do you mean you took care of that? What would you do? He said, listen. I heard how that individual had talked about other girls on the football field and I heard about this and that and the other. And when I realized that he had his eye on my sister, I pulled him aside and I said, listen, don't you call my sister. Don't you look at her again. Don't you do anything. And he said, he said, I don't want no problem, man. I don't want no. and Tyler said, you won't have no problem as long as you don't call her, you don't look at her, you don't be at her locker, you don't mess with her. You know, that's having each other's back. Amen. Of course, as a dad, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's it right there. But we need to do that as friends also. You see, here's what I know about a friend. I know that a friend will fight for you and a friend will fight with you. A friend is going to be one that sticks closer than a brother. Now, of course, we know that ultimately that's Jesus. But also we need to be playing that role as well. Guys, we don't need to be destroying each other and tearing each other down and being, having a manipulative spirit about each other. We need to encourage one another. Come alongside one another. Listen, we all have faults. Every one of us have warts. Hello? Nobody's perfect. Right? And if all we're looking around and looking for the negativity in somebody, I promise you, you'll have pages full of it. If you watch me long enough, I promise you, I will disappoint you. You'll lose respect for me. You you won't like me very long. Because you want to know who I am, I'll tell you who I am. Turn to Romans chapter 3. Go ahead, turn there. Read that a little bit. You know what that's going to describe? That's going to describe John Cannon. It says that he is a sinner. It says that he has the poison of asp under his lip. It says that he is deceitful above all things. It says that his heart is desperately wicked. But you know what that says about John Cannon? Yes, that is what it says. But you know what? It says that about everybody. Hello? We're all sinners. So what we need to do is realize that, hey... He needs a friend. She needs a friend. I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. Brother, is everything all right in your life? I want you to know I'm here, man. Talk to me. I pulled some men aside in our church just recently and done that same thing. So, guys, I just want you to know I'm here for you. If you need something, I'm here. That's what we need to be doing as a church family. You know what that's called? It's called Friendship. Hello? It's called friendship. Friendship. The Bible says that Jesus increased in favor with people. You see, God intended for us to live a life where we we love people. We live with people. We laugh with people. We enjoy each other. The church should be built on the relationship of love and companionship and kinship and friendship. We need to balance that in our life. It's not just, as I've shared with you, these are four areas that I think are very important that we need to pay attention to in our life. And a lot of times as a church, we just get hung up on the spiritual. And I realize that is the most important thing to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But that's not all there is to living. Hello? Hello? These four areas I think we need to have balance in and we need to pay attention to. You know what the Bible says the key is to making friends? You say, Well, I just don't have any friends. You need to make some friends. You say, Well, how do I make friends? Well, I'll just tell you what the Bible says. In Proverbs eighteen twenty four, drop this reference down. Proverbs eighteen twenty four. It says that a man who has friends must show himself friendly. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. But, of course, we know there is a a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that's in reference to Jesus Christ. We want more friends in our life? Then show yourself friendly. Hello? If we walk around like a stump on a log, not a whole lot of people want to fellowship with that. Hello? Be friendly. Get this. If you want a a friend, you know what I'm going to say? Be a friend. Come alongside and help someone. Without expecting anything in return. I just want to help you. I'm not expecting anything. And get this. Oh, let let me unpack this real quick. Oh, I don't have time. I need to close. Have you ever seen those people that can only have one friend? You know, I, I come alongside. I want to be your friend. And they think. I can't have any other friends, and they get upset if I, if there's, if we talk to anybody. You guys know people like that? Get over that. Hello? Get over that. Well, they got, they got so and so, I can't talk to them because they just got with so and so. Grow up. Hello? Are y'all with me today? We should have many friends. Hello? Are y'all getting this today? You know what I'm talking about, man. I've had those people in my life, and and I, you know, I want to befriend them and be a friend, but then it's almost like they take ownership of you, right? I'm like, I started to say, dude. <laughs> Saturday I had this conversation. I said, son, you got to quit saying chicken dude all the time. you got to say ladies and men and, you know, row and be a man. I almost said it. I'm like, man, <laughs> yeah. You know, give me some space. I've got more than one friend. Okay, guys? So don't expect your friend, the one that you call friend, don't expect them just to have one friend. Hopefully and prayerfully, if they are blessed, they have many friends. And that's got to be okay. But I will say this. Let me tell you who my very, very best friend is. She's sitting right there. My wife. Man, I tell her everything. I mean, we went went walking last night and did a three-mile walk around Muscuda. And, man, we just talked the whole time. I, I love that time because... There's other times when we're in the house, we have responsibilities, this and that and other. We just don't have that time to talk. And I love to just go on these walks. She's my best friend. And, and husbands, your wife should be your best friend. She really should. Now, now, she's not your only friend. And we have other friends. But I think we need to balance this area of friendship in our life. And I love what Jesus said. And I'm closing with this verse, I promise. Jesus said in John 15, 15. I do not call you slaves anymore. Because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. Get this. He says, I call you friend. Guys, you realize that Jesus calls us friend? Whenever we enter into a personal relationship with him, we are now a friend of God. What a blessing. Amen. I wonder as every head is out, bowed and every eye is closed. A friend is someone who walks in when everybody else walks out. And of course, ultimately, that friend is Jesus. I promise you, He will walk into your life where it seems like everyone else has walked out of your life. And if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, my prayer is today that right now, right now that you would invite Christ into your heart. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? I want to help you right now. Just Repeat this prayer after me. Right now, if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, if you want to invite Him into your life, if you want Him to be that friend that the Bible says that sticks closer than a brother, He's promised, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll be there for you, then right now I want you to pray this prayer. Just say, dear God, right now I'm calling out to you. God, I surrender my life to you. God, I realize that I have sinned, and I believe that you died on the cross to redeem me of my sins. And right now I cry out to you, God, be my Lord, be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross, I believe you were buried, I believe you rose again victoriously the third day. I believe you have ascended to the right hand of God. I believe that you are God's Son, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, come into my life, and be my Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that right now, God has just saved your soul. And you've started a relationship with Jesus Christ. I promise you that, will. He says, I'll never leave you. And maybe you're here today and, and you're just apart from God. And maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe you've had some disappointments, some failures in your life. Just call out to God. Call out to God, Father. Right now, we commit this time of reflection and invitation to you, and Lord. Right now, we just pray that you work in the hearts and the minds of individuals, that folks right now would do business with you, oh God. For those that need to receive you as their Lord and their Savior, I pray that right now they call out to you. For those that need to rededicate their life right now, help them call out to you. For those that need a friend. Help them, God. Send a friend their way. May they first and foremost look to you. If they're married, may they look to their spouse. And then send them a friend, God. Have your will and way in this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.